Welcome to The Bible in Our Culture, an outreach radio ministry of Liberty Remnant Church, where we encourage you to view the culture through the lens of the Holy Bible. Hello, I'm Pastor Jay McPherson, and welcome to The Bible in Our Culture. Today we have an interview. Those of you that are familiar with our program, we often uh, teach the Bible, but I ran into Chris Knowlton, who I'll introduce in a second, and he has insight that I think our listeners need to hear. Uh, this is part one of a two-part series. You'll want to catch it. Chris Knowlton is founder and director of The Source. Tell us, Chris, what is The Source? Hi, Jay. Thanks for having me on. Um, I feel uh, honored and privileged to be able to share with you guys today. Um, the Source is a 501c3 like uh, not-for-profit ministry that was started in 2011. In the course of my life, I've been working with high-needs foster care youth, juvenile offenders, and at-risk youth. And I started the source basically because I saw a need in the juvenile prison system, juvenile detention system, where kids that are incarcerated often do not have uh, good family structures. And I wanted to address the kids that are uh, in foster care and try to catch them earlier before they ended up into the juvenile detention system. So the source currently, uh, we have a contract with the state of Washington. We run high needs foster care homes for both behavioral and developmentally disabled children. Um, we have six homes in the area. We also have a uh, outreach in Malawi, Africa, where we have uh, some orphan or, uh, programs over there taking care of kids that are orphans. So that's a little bit about what the source does. Awesome. In our church, Liberty Remnant Church, we've been able to provide fresh water to people in Africa and to Malawi through the source Malawi. Every penny that we give goes directly to the people there. Uh, the way Chris has got the source set up, he uh, doesn't take any overhead for what we give. It goes straight to the people. So we gave a well to one village and now we're helping with an orphanage and it's just a tremendous opportunity to give directly to the people. And today we're focused mostly on what's happening in Washington state. So how does the source help troubled young people, Chris? Yeah, there's a, one of the biggest factors is that human beings from the time we're created until we are leaving this planet, we need relationships. And there are so many kids in our communities across our state um, that do not have healthy relationships. And one of our primary goals as a source is to build lifelong healthy relationships with hurt, hurting children um, so that they can become uh, effective members of the community, learn who God created them to be, and have a sense of belonging and value. A couple things that uh, the source does, we we started basically by getting involved in foster care. My wife and I were adoptive foster parents. Um, and awesome. we've taken in a couple. We have three children that we've adopted out of foster care. And I'll tell you a quick story about my youngest son. I met his biological mother in jail many years ago, um, and she was a routine customer of the juvenile detention facility here in Spokane, and I was teaching classes back then, and she was always in my classes. And she ended up getting pregnant and had her son taken away from her, um, which led to my wife and I taking him in as a foster kid. And over the course of time, she couldn't get herself clean. And so her rights were terminated and we ended up adopting him. So that was about uh, 10 years ago. And really what, what we're trying to do is we really want to um, take kids in that no one seems to care about, right? They're like 
basically what um, would be considered like throwaway children. I, that's a harsh term, but really it's people that are, you know, it's children that are coming from serious, difficult backgrounds. Their parents are, you know, drugged, drug abusers or um, they have a, a serious high needs and are unable to take care of their children. And so then they enter the system of foster care and it's not a, a, a foolproof system as we'll discuss later today. There's a lot of challenges when um, a a position that is designed for parents, which is parenting, you know, is designed for our husbands and wives to to raise children. When the state becomes the, the guardian of kids, um, there's a lot of difficulties in that. And so we're just in a position where we want to help and rescue as many kids as we can and give them a sense of belonging and purpose. What do you feel are the most pressing issues at the moment to protect young people from a state like Washington? Boy, that's a that's a big question. You know, there's uh, there are like I said um, just a couple minutes ago, is that there's there's big challenges in in foster care. If you are a, a licensed foster parent or you know wanting to get involved in that way, there's a lot of rules and regulations that you're supposed to abide by. Uh, some of the rules are very good. Other other rules are not so good, and they're um, what I would deem as actually they're they're harmful um, to the development of children. I think one of the biggest challenges is many years ago. There's like a pendulum in when it comes to uh, social welfare, right? One moment you'll have it like it's too restrictive. For instance, um, the consequences are too steep, you know, so like uh, somebody uh, got caught shoplifting or something and then they get like three months in jail for stealing something that's $3. Or, and so they were feeling like there was over, the consequences were too harsh for some activity that people were doing, criminal activity. So then they swung the pendulum over to no consequences for your actions at all. And, and in that process, there hasn't been accountability. And so the, what, what the, the system would call voice and choice, youth voice and choice is probably one of the biggest struggles that um, I find very detrimental to the well-being of children because what they are doing is they're taking a, a uh, philosophy of, of letting the youth have a voice in their outcomes and in the decision-making process for their life, but they're not taking into account the uh, tra- trauma that the youth has experienced, the background that they've experienced, their decision-making capacity, and they're still saying, oh yeah, if you want to choose that, choose it, um, without really um, having the evidence to um, the evidence that would support a good outcome for the decision-making process. So the biggest challenge really right now is um, youth empowerment and the youth's ability to decide their own future and, um, and how that is destructive to their future because they are not in a position where they can make the best educated decisions for their life because their brain's not fully developed. So, Our guest today is Chris Knowlton, founder and director of The Source, and he's involved in a lot of uh, Washington State uh, agencies as he's advocating for for youth. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. The youth today are not growing up in the same America that you and I grew up in. It's way different. Seems that there's a lot of confusion about kids' identity. They're desperate for an identity. They're desperate to belong. And we we've identified something called gender identity dysphoria. Uh, how would you define that, and how is it relevant to what you do? Yeah, first I'll say that you know I'm I'm not a uh, a psychiatrist or or a physician or a doctor, um, but what I can say is I have a lot of experience um, with this uh, um, ideology, and I would call it even a doctrine. Um, there's uh, a belief system that uh, that comes. So basically, when I as I was talking about that youth voice and choice piece, um, really. 
it is it, the pendulum's gone so far that now youth are deciding like um, you don't have to be there's there's no uh, there aren't any parameters that uh, that you're not in control of. For instance, um, I firmly believe as a believer in Jesus that there's certain things that I do not get to decide. I didn't get to decide um, where I was born. I didn't get to decide who I was born. I didn't get to decide my sex, the color of my skin, my height, my weight, uh, any of those things. Uh, I was born um, without control over those things. Um, but because we're in a spot now where we as, as human beings believe, a, a group of us believe, that um, we can control everything we want to control. And it's basically trying to become like God, where we can say, well, I didn't like the way you made me, so I can choose to change that. And I saw it, uh, gender dysphoria um, starting, you know, I've been doing you know youth work for a long time. And I would say it, it started probably in 2010 for me, my first experience with uh, um, the topic of gender identity and it boiled down to bathrooms at that point in time it was before I started the source I was working for the YMCA and we were having a discussion on whether or not we should have gender specific bathrooms and wow. um, and that's where it really started where we were going to make a, our locker rooms all genders you know it, so I was obviously on the side of and very vocal with my superiors at the Y saying, we are not doing this. We're not allowing men to go into the um, girls' bathrooms. Um, and that's, and I wow. just couldn't believe we were having the conversation. It seems so ridiculous to me um, at that point in life. And I was, um, I was just shocked. Like, I'm like, we're not doing that. And so um, over the, you know, and then I started the source and left the YMCA and, and in foster care, um, I've been, we've had our group homes open since 2015. And it didn't really become an issue until about three years ago where um, there's just been a really big push for um, people to be able to express themselves however they desire to express themselves. So whether it's, um, you know, if they'd say that they want to be identified as a boy and they are a biological girl, that we need to embrace that and accept that. And the and that's really the gender identity is that someone, if they're not happy with the body that they're born in, they can choose um, to say you will um, no longer say that I'm a boy because I identify as a girl, regardless of their chromosome pattern, regardless of their uh, natural given body parts. Um, and so that's really the uh, what gender identity dysphoria is. Um, it was a very small percentage in the beginning, but it's really turned into like a bandwagon where it's so promoted now that we've seen a really big spike, especially in the foster care arena where the um, the stats on how many kids are, are uh, struggling with gender dysphoria um, has is is like three times as much as the general population. Um, and, it, uh, and it's not a originally um, in the psychiatric book called the DMS-5, gender dysphoria was listed as a mental health disorder. And now it is more celebrated than it is listed as a disorder. And so kids are, are celebrated and praised. There's a big club that everybody who identifies in that part can be part of. And so um, it's really gotten quite out of control. So you're, what I hear you saying is you feel that what is a disorder is now being celebrated and it affects kids. Correct. Wow. That's that's hard for me to understand. To me, you you look at life and you're honest with life. And if uh, you're a boy, you're a boy. And if you're a girl, you're a girl. But you say you, you were uh, standing up against uh, unisex bathrooms at what point? Uh, 2010. 2010. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, so uh, I'm, I'm guessing as um, 
the foster homes that that you provide for kids that if they get there they're they're probably many of them have had just tragic stories uh, abuse trauma neglect how does that affect a young person's identity and how could that lead to uh, gender identity dys dysphoria well jay you're asking a question that's off limits right that's that's not allowed to be a talking uh, or talking point or consideration in this ideology um, they're, wow. they're not using, you know, oftentimes you'll hear, um, you got to follow the science, follow the science. Um, but when it comes to, uh, gender identity dysphoria, um, you're not allowed to track data or science. Um, they don't listen to people who are detransitioners. So a child or a person who thought they were the opposite sex, wanted to be the opposite sex, but then came to the realization, no, I'm okay in the body I'm, I've been given, their voice is silenced in regards to this agenda. And the uh, um, in, in the DMS-5, which is the psychiatric book, um, we, we watched as the uh, gender um, dysphoria was removed from the the book and its its whole treatment modality changed um, most illnesses mental health disorders your goal is to help to get the individual suffering from disorders to be as healthy as possible um, and typically like if i was suffering from schizophrenia the goal is for me not to be schizophrenic um, if I was suffering, let's celebrate from, it. Yes. If I was <laughs> suffering from ADHD, hey, let's help you not suffer from that so much. Um, but in this category, this one is like you suffer from gender dysphoria. Let's celebrate that. Let's our our treatment modality is you aren't happy in the body you're given. Let's change your body. Um, and you know, and one of the biggest challenges, you know, I believe in free will. Um, but when it comes to children, children do not have the decision-making capacity to make a life-altering decision um, in their childhood, especially for children who have suffered traumatic events in their past. Um, you know, I almost every child that I've seen that has um, some type of gender dysphoric um, uh, mental health concern, they've all been sexually abused. Wow. And so why is that not talked about? How many kids have been sexually abused that are struggling with their, their gender identity? Um, and look at that as like, hey, we have, a, we have a hurt child here, okay? So instead of saying, you know, we, we understand the trauma in your past, we're gonna work to heal that, we're taking that and saying, okay, you're a little girl and you were sexually molested and you realize that your biological brother was not sexually molested, but you were. So now you're like, I want to be a boy because boys don't get hurt like girls do. So if wow. that's the root of your gender dysphoria, the to, for us to celebrate that, that is not that is not the correct method to do that to to do it. That is not uh, corrective uh, treatment for people with mental health disorders. And uh, and oh. but we're seeing it like it's become a little. It's like a cult, and it's like a trending cult for kids to be part of that bandwagon. That's heartbreaking. If if I'm hearing you correctly. You're saying the the vast majority of young people that struggle with gender dysphoria were sexually abused, and we're not even allowed to talk about that connection. So we're just gonna keep letting people suffer and and be abused, and we're not gonna even bring them into reality. Is, is that kind of how the states? That's treated? well, I wouldn't say it. Um, uh, the best of my understanding at this point in time is is the information that I've seen, the kids that um, that I've had direct access to that are in state care that uh, have this uh, struggle, um, that is a reality. There's trauma in their background. Um, 
but and I don't know if that's like the only cause, right? But we're not even talking about whether or not that's the cause. Yeah. And if you try to bring some of those points up, you're met with severe hostility. Um, and if you look at anybody who's who's uh, nationally recognized as a as a uh, is uh, a per- person of opposition towards gender dysphoria, um, they are ostr- ostracized, blacklisted, and silenced on their platforms often, especially in the social media re- realm where you can't even get a lot of your information out um, because the other side controls a lot of the narrative. Wow, sounds like uh, Nazi Germany or something like that. Uh, we we hear the term gender affirming care. And to me, that would literally mean you're helping a child align their perceived identity with the biology God gave them. To me, that would be what you would literally think gender-affirming care is. But as I, I listen uh, on the news, it sounds like it's something way different. Most of our listeners come from the state of Washington. How would the state of Washington define gender-affirming care? Well, gender-affirming care starts on the basis of what the child says they want. Um, my experience has been that often... Um, children don't know what they want. You know, when, when I was a child, I wanted to be a soap opera star. That was my goal. Like, I want to be on TV. I want to be a soap opera star. When you ask the child, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? They always have these big ambitions. They want to be a, a fireman. They want to be a police officer. They want to be an astronaut. They want to be a pro football player. Yeah, you know, an athlete. They always, you know, we always are shooting for the stars. And um, and so um, a lot of those things didn't didn't uh, turn out. Uh, I was talking with one of my one of my friends recently, and they had this uh, comment. They said, um, "I'm so thankful that my parents didn't let me pick my gender when I was still eating crowns." Yeah. You know, and so Absolutely. because our, our decision making capacity, um, it's not where it should be. Um, if if I was to look at what the definition of gender affirming should be, it's there's certain things we can't control. So I don't get to control if I'm a male or female, what my chromosome pattern is, what anatomy I have. Um, so we should affirm people based off of things that um, are God, are God's creation, right? God created us a certain way. We're uniquely and wonderfully made. Mm-hmm. And, and we um, aren't in control of some of those things. So to, to help someone who's been through a lot of trauma and to help them with the struggle that they're having, um, you know, to affirm their, their, um, idea or their choice and ideology at the beginning. I think that's the opposite of taking care of someone. I think you're actually doing more harm, but you're not allowed to look at the outcomes or studies. Um, a, a lot of people won't even look at those and you're not even allowed to talk about it. And so, um, because if you do, you're thrown into a category of being um, a racist. This, uh, the LGBT community um, has really um, been able to pull themselves into the race category. So um, any discrimination towards what they would consider discrimination is the same as being discriminated towards a uh, you know, Hispanic person or an African-American person. Um, instead of being along the moral lines of, hey, um, this is a, a lifestyle choice versus something mm-hmm. that they couldn't control. Yeah, crazy. I, I've known people who are ex-homosexuals. I've never known anybody who was a ex-Caucasian or an ex-Asian or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's, it seems that um, it seems we've lost our mind. Am I, am I hearing that correctly? That that uh, this the state has has lost its mind. They're calling gender affirming care what really is the opposite of what I would think gender affirming care is. I would agree with that. I think that the the push has been so strong on. Um, conforming and anyone who speaks out is silent so people have things to lose for instance if you um, aren't just totally accepting of of this f- uh, philosophy that you 
can potentially have consequences for uh, your your stance. And so it uh, um, so the bandwagon. Most people are just silent. They don't want to want to say anything. They don't want to get involved and to help. Um, my uh, my desire is to really see um, people who um, love Jesus and care about people, um, because really, as as believers in Jesus, our our requirement, our mandate from heaven is is to uh, to interact with people and to lead people to Christ. And we are we are supposed to be in the business of of seeing God's kingdom grow and develop. And uh, um, and then we have a whole population group that is just being assaulted, especially our young population. I have never seen such an assault on um, a, a generation as what's happening right now. Our guest today on The Bible and Our Culture is Chris Knowlton with The Source. So Chris, if a young person comes to a social worker or, or a teacher, somebody and says, hey, I decided I feel like I'm a girl. Even though I've been a boy, I've decided I'm a girl. What are they going to do to them? Well, it depends on who that teacher or social worker is, um, because at that moment in time, they have a lot of authority. So if if I am uh, totally on the bandwagon of the um, current ideology of gender-affirming care, and I am a, in a position of power, which is a teacher, a counselor, a social worker, um, I have a lot of authority, more authority than the parents have at that moment. And so if a wow. child was to come to me and say, my parent won't let me um, dress like a girl and I'm a boy I'm a biological boy and my mom uh, continues to call me a boy and I don't want to be a boy anymore I want to be a girl um, the the state social worker or the counselor they can report that to the state and the state can actually remove the child from their home according to the Senate bill we're going to discuss in a little bit um, sounds like kidnapping it's yeah, it is a, a massive overreach by the by the state government, um, and this is where the community of believers we have to stand up and fight back. You know, a lot of people aren't even aware of what's happening. Um, I think in our cultural Christianity, American cultural Christianity, we get so focused on just what's happening in our own specific lives, our own specific churches, that we don't see the effects on a broader scale. Wow. And you mentioned a little bit ago, Jay, about the tie between what we're seeing now and what happened in Nazi Germany, and there are scary similarities, uh, very scary similarities that are, are happening, um, because I started studying that a while back, saying this really seems like what happened to the church in Nazi Germany. They were silenced, they were afraid to speak up and atrocities happened um, and right now in the foster care world um, these children do not have people speaking up for them They're, they've been wow. removed from their parents care and they have state agencies that are that are in charge of them and there's not any accountability and I think we need to be in a spot where where the churches um, and the people in our communities are demanding accountability from the state on what's happening to children in our care um, because there's um, I, my eyes have been open to a lot of the atrocities that are happening um, there's good people that work in the state for sure but the system's this massive bureaucracy and um, and it's really about and often areas like money it's about money um, that's the answer to all the problems throw money at it throw money at it um, but then we need we need good people without good people stepping up we will have uh, uh, terrible things happen so so what could I do if I'm if I'm listening to this say in Washington State where most of our listeners are, are probably from and I'm hearing this and I want to do something 
what would be something to do? We got about three and a half minutes. Yeah, I think the uh, the biggest thing that could happen at this point in time. Well, we just had a referendum go out to try to repeal uh, Senate Bill fifty five ninety nine, which is the one that that kind of strips parents' rights by uh, um, for part of it was big part of gender affirming care. If a child wants gender affirming care, the state will uh, require that to happen and to, and trump the parents' rights. Um, we have to be vocal. We have to attend. You know, we have to become first of all familiar with the laws that are happening that are being passed and uh and start uh becoming uh louder like me as one little program in in, in the spokane area my voice is not um, i mean it's kind of loud but if i have people with me and then all of a sudden Come it goes on. from you know my 50 60 people to a hundred to a thousand to ten thousand then we have a loud enough voice to say oh the people are taking this seriously um, the, the state government's run off our tax dollars, right? And they're uh, um, allocating where those tax dollars are going to go. Um, and we just need to be involved. You know, we just got to say, um, you know, uh, what's happening to kids that are not my personal children actually matters. And wow. that we as believers should be involved for the betterment of our communities and to protect kids. Excellent. This is the radio show, The Bible and Our Culture. And I hope our listeners can see how important it is to have a biblical worldview. These atrocities, I would call them, they're horrific, happening to already abused young people on our watch have come from a neglect of the Holy Scriptures. The Bible's clear. Honor your father and mother. Parents have rights. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. That's the message that we, the people, should be communicating to society. And this whole uh, gender-affirming care, a lie, we're calling it gender-affirming care when it is the opposite of gender-affirming care. Let's just be who God created us to be. God created distinctions in the scriptures, the distinction that he is God and we are not, the distinction that humans are separated from the rest of creation to have dominion, and the distinction in Genesis 127. It says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female... He created them. So there is a distinction. God created you, male or female. And, and this idea that I can switch from male to female, or if I understand correctly, there's an infinite number of genders. What? Who says? You're just making up garbage. We've got to adhere to the word of the Lord. God is our only salvation for our society. God is, is the only answer for America, for your state. Some of you might be thinking, well, I'm not in Washington State. It's much easier over here in Idaho. Well, beware and pray because there are some very militant, highly organized population of people in Idaho and other conservative states that are trying to push the agenda that we're seeing unfold here in the socialist state of Washington. But we have the promise that Bible says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive and heal their land. We have a job to do, and God is empowering us to do it. I'm looking forward to having Chris share more about what he's, what's going on in uh, the state of Washington with foster kids on the next Bible in Our Culture show at the same time. Catch you next time. Thank you for listening to the Bible in Our Culture, an outreach radio ministry of Liberty Remnant Church. 
you want to support this ministry financially, you could do so by going to our website, libertyremnantchurch.org backslash give, and select radio ministry. See you next week at the same time.